It's time to put principles ahead of politics. This is Sages of the Sun, brought to you by the New York Sun. I'm Caroline Beek, a co-founder and editor of The Sun, and I'm joined by Seth Lipsky, our legendary editor-in-chief. We're here to take you behind the headlines, unblinkered, principled, and straight. Let's get started. This week, we sat down for the second of a two-part series with our brilliant staff reporter and assistant editor, A.R. Hoffman, on the overturning of Roe versus Wade and the January 6th committee hearing that has sent shockwaves through American politics. All right, Ari, hot topics here. Why don't we, uh, I'm going to mute the audience here and let's get started. Great. Well, it's um, it's fantastic to, to have everybody and um, thank you for sort of, I know we've, you know, we've, we've done a bunch of these focusing on the court and January 6th, but I, I really think, you know, these have been an extraordinary few weeks and um, um, it's, it's just, uh, it's been great to be able to write about um, these, to cover them, to think about them, um, and then to talk about, to talk about these developments um, with all of you. Um, so I definitely, would love if we had time for uh, conversations um, and um, and questions. Um, you know, simply put, I, I it's hard to think of a of a Supreme Court term that has been this um, um, sort of um, think of the right word, sort of transformative or um, um, sort of paradigm shifting. Really, um, the term, of course, just ended minutes minutes ago. Um, the last two opinions uh, were released at 10. Um, <clears throat> uh, as we speak, um, Justice Breyer um, is retiring from the court, and um, now Justice uh, Katanji Brown Jackson um, will be sworn in. Um, so when when cases when our arguments begin um, begin in October uh, for the, the next term, that there'll be that kind of personnel difference. But I think the one core point is that you know swapping out um, Justice uh, Souter, uh, Justice Breyer for Justice uh, Jackson uh, won't fundamentally affect the composition of the court, and we've seen that that now six three kind of conservative liberal composition is, has already and will continue to make enormous changes um, to America's constitutional constitutional landscape. We spoke last time, I think just before the Dobbs decision, uh, the final Dobbs decision came down last Friday. There I, you know, I think we've all been reading and, 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 and um, thinking about it, but I, I would just sort of say from a constitutional law perspective, I think the most interesting thing there is a sort of reconsideration of this notion of substantive due process. Substantive due process is the idea that the 14th Amendment, which of course was passed in the wake of the Civil War, that prohibits deprivation of life and liberty without the due process of law, um, includes not only sort of a narrow set of, of, of due process rights, but, but a much broader, broader panoply of rights. Um, and that, that, that expansion happened in the, in the 60s, uh, 50s into the 60s and, and, and early 70s. Um, and Can you explain a little more what that means? Sure. So there was increasingly um, under Chief Justice Earl Warren, the court was interested in sort of safeguarding elements of, of life or new kind of social issues that had not previously not been seen as, as constitutional issues per se. Um, and so the constitution became less a sort of strict 
box where you went to find what was already there and more of almost like a kind of platform to sort of imagine how these new things could be folded into the existing constitutional framework. So uh, cases like Griswold, the right to, to contraception, uh, abortion, um, other, other, other cases as well, um, Miranda to a certain extent covering fifth, the Fifth Amendment um, right against self-incrimination. Um, and then in, in this sort of more modern era, uh, cases like Obergefell, um, which delineated the constitutional right to gay marriage, and uh, Lawrence v. Texas, which delivered the right, uh, let's call it the right to a kind of intimacy, consensual relations between adults couldn't be couldn't be criminalized. Um, you know, and all these were, were kind of rights that were sort of discovered in the Constitution um, or were seen as being alluded to in the Constitution. And this sort of core intellectual tool, almost like the kind of the shovel with which those rights were discovered in buried in the Constitution, was this idea of substantive due process. And substantive due process, um, as Justice Thomas noted, and as we noted in, in our editorial, um, is, is, a, is an oxymoron, right? Um, process suggests your rights are not around specific things, but a kind of, you know, I, well, a kind of process and substance in, 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 seems to suggest kind of delineated specific rights. And so a fair process, cross-examination of witnesses, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, and, um, you know, right to confront your accuser and um, um, certain jury rights and rights of representation as well. And exactly. so, you know, so so just to say that that there was this discovery that that notion of due process included not only those kind of more procedural rights, but actual tangible kind of positive rights as well. And that that liberty, the, the word liberty in the 14th Amendment was used to um, encompass a whole set of of new kind of frontiers of, of constitutional interpretation. Now, to be clear, even the conservative justices would understand that liberty does encompass things beyond you know, well, liberty needs interpretation, right? But the, the core question, and, and to come back to Dobbs, was, was abortion the sort of right, the sort of liberty that would have been understood as deeply rooted in American history? Um, and the majority found that it was not, right? So that's a narrower reading of this notion of liberty. Why does that deeply rooted thing come into effect? Right. It's a, it's a kind of limiting, it's a kind of limiting principle. The fear is that if you don't have some sense of it, of it kind of being embedded in history and in America's legal regime, then um, it's possible to encompass anything under it. So in order to give the term kind of salience and, and delineation, the, 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 the majority suggests that that has to have a kind of historical backstory. And so the notion that, you know, well, abortion was mostly legal, illegal for most of American history, suggests that it can't now be found in the Constitution's uh, promise, uh, promise of liberty. Now, I, some, more, I'm so, I sometimes call it an anti-fad provision. <laughs> right. And that's the part of these decisions that involve going back to statutes from the 19th century or early kind of treatises. And the point there is, is to sort of is to try to draw out 
a, a longer story. And if that, and if, if there isn't that entrenchedness in American history, then the fear is that, as Seth mentioned, that anything can be subsumed under, under that. Now, how long does the history typically need to be? Yeah, well, you know, sort of there, you know, I think there's privilege given to sort of early years of the Republic. Um, there's, you know, oftentimes it will go even back to common law, right? The sort of English ancestry of our, of our legal system. Um, but those are exactly the kinds of questions that the justices debate, right? When does that history sort of begin? You know, what, what if the historical record is mixed? Um, so in dissent, the liberal justices write in Dobbs that, you know, that, well, there actually was a sort of tradition where, you know, before what, what used to be called quickening, you know, abortions were understood to be uh, to be allowed or at least, um, you know, accepted to some extent. So debates about history are always going to be <coughs> excuse me, vulnerable to the idea that a partial story is being told. But to step back for a second. So you have this idea of substance due process. Um, a more radical position is was articulated by Justice Thomas, and we we at the paper spent a lot of time thinking about Justice Thomas and writing about this opinion, both on the news side and the editorial side, that the entire idea of substantive due process should be abolished, right? That it's extra constitutional um, in that way. Um, and so the majority didn't go that far, um, but that is, is a, a kind of next next step. The majority seemed to suggest that it didn't want its decision to apply to birth control and other things, anything other than abortion. Whereas Thomas wrote a separate concurrence saying, we now ought to go look at these other things. Yeah, exactly. And, and so many see that, you know, sort of, and um, Justice Kavanaugh sort of reinforced that, um, the question is how much is Thomas on his own here? Justice Thomas has never been afraid to stand on his own, to sort of be where others aren't. But I think the thinking is as the court has shifted, it has shifted closer to Justice Thomas. So whereas before maybe he would have been two standard deviations away from the court's mean, now it feels almost asymptotic um, to where the court is. The court differentiated Roe from these other cases really just on the basis that Roe involves a human life. And, you know, at least on a theoretical level, that doesn't seem like a kind of sound, um, a sound distinction or a sound differentiation. Um, so, you know, that's something, that's something, uh, something to watch on a, you know, what really differentiates the right to gay marriage from the right to an abortion. <coughs> Ari, which do you think of the of the recent decisions will be the most impactful over the long haul? Would you think it would be Roe v. Wade or or, or the EPA decision? Yeah, well, I think certainly on on the level of government policy, the EPA decision um, will be will be very important. So just to catch everyone up, two cases were released just this morning um, and we'll have, um, we'll have coverage of those um, going up any minute. Um, the first was um, held that, that the EPA's ability to sort of make its own rules or to sort of dictate its own jurisdiction is, is limited, right? That the EPA can't be a kind of independent actor 
apart from Congress, um, deploying something called the major questions doctrine, which suggests that, you know, on sort of big questions, Congress has to say what it means and Congress has to give specific instructions. And so this is a kind of clawing back of the administrative state's ability to sort of improvise um, or to, um, to, to write its own script based on a sort of vague or general grant um, grant from Congress. This is an element of law that is very technical um, and often, you know, isn't as sexy as as you know some some other element uh, parts of law, but actually is very important. Um, as of course, this, the administrative state has grown so exponentially, it, it affects a, a huge swath. But I, I think you know, I I think to be fair, the the impact of 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 Dobbs. I mean, I, you know, yes, it's on a narrower issue, but it cuts to core constitutional and cultural questions, I think, in a way that, you know, will still to be worked out. We saw this morning, President Biden seeming to endorse more extreme set of responses to the decision uh, in Dobbs, including uh, potentially supporting, um, making an exception to or flat out getting rid of the filibuster uh, to pass um, legislation um, um, protecting the right to an abortion. Um, this is in response to, to lots of pressure from his left in respond in, in, in you know, in the wake of, of Dobbs. Um, so you think he read Ira Stoll's column. I think he, he read he read Ira and he and he listened to AOC. And, and, and here we are all the way in Madrid. And, um, you know, so 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 I, I think that has the potential. Now, I don't know if that is going to be cashed out in a sort of immediate electoral impact. I, it's not clear to me that, you know, this is an issue that cuts cleanly that way. There is some evidence showing a jump in in poll numbers and enthusiasm from Democrats in the wake of of the ruling. I, I'd expect that. But, you know, November's still a long time away. Um, We'll have to see. I do think in sort of certain races and certain states that, you know, this could play out politically, specifically a state like Pennsylvania, where in the governor's race, you have a kind of Democrat on the left running against um, a Trump Republican um, who's promised to implement uh, significant abortion bans. Thank you for listening to this sample of Sages of the Sun. To listen to the whole episode and access our entire catalog, go to NewYorkSun.com. That's NYSun.com dot com.